Hello, it is Monday, March 29th, 2021. Hilarious show today. Yeah, today's an awesome show. I'm pumped about today. Sugar Sean is the fucking man. Mm-hmm. Mac Brown is absolutely awesome. Yeah, a lot of wisdom. Golly, what a show today. Could have never. And also, by the way, how do we forget Manny? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got a show today. El Pie. We start the week with a good one. This mm-hmm. isn't normal. If you enjoy the show by the end of it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it, Ty. This is the Monday in which the Elite Eight will begin this evening, which means the Sweet 16 wrapped up this weekend. Saturday saw some games. Sunday saw some games. And I'll tell you what it brought me. Got a good nap in yesterday. Hell yeah. March napness was real yesterday. There was a couple games that were real snooze fest. But on Saturday, what it brought me was a lot of losses. Mm. Okay. Loyola, Chicago, at Damn Bigwig is gone. Not before holding Oregon State to under 26 and a half points in the first half, which is yeah. a big win. Big win. So that was my that was how I started the weekend gambling. I got this under bet that nobody else knows because the defense for Loyola is just so damn impressive. I hit for big there. Then Loyola goes on and loses. Oh no. Then Big Wig doesn't score over his points over under. Oh no. Now we're spiraling out of control. No worries. How can we get back? Friend of the show, Stipe Miocic is an underdog tonight. We will hammer everything we have on him. Yeah. Then I fell asleep, woke up the next morning, and I saw the memes all over the internet of our guy, Stipe. He oh. looked incredibly lean. He looked incredibly good. But at the end of the fight against Francis Ngannou, the new champion, he ended up on his back. So lost because lost cause that whole thing. So on Sunday, I said, I'm going to get back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back where I get back. I get going there. Gonzaga's a wagon. I yeah. should have known yeah. that they were going to win by 20-plus. I thought the spread was too much. I'm going to go on the other side. Then the other game, blowout. Then the other one, close. Then the other one, no idea what's going on. <laughs> March Madness has been unpredictable. It has been a bit boring. But tonight, Elite Eight begins, and we're going to find a champion here in Indiana where March Madness is being played. Also, in the NFL news. This weekend, 17-game season is basically confirmed. That'll be uh, voted in this week. We've been talking about this for weeks, and I'm not, I'm not just like doing the whole. No, no, no. no. I'm not doing that whole thing. But as soon as I heard 17-game season, it was going to happen. It kind of got slid into the conversation piece. It was almost like in Washington D.C. when they pass a bill, it's about something, and then there's like 7,000 pages of shit just getting shoved in behind it. Yep. Some other conversation point stole the show. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was a salary cap. Maybe it was something else. And then in that back there was the 17-game season is coming. Sky Judge got a little. There's a 17-game season coming, and we knew that this was possible. And the new CBA got signed. We didn't know when it was going to come. Then, inevitably, with the COVID, uh, you know, ticket and every all those losses go down, they were going to have to add a game. That was kind of like their, you know, their ace in the hole that they had all the time for these media deals. We're going to add another game. Here we go. We got it. Now the players, a lot of players are reacting around the internet saying, 17 games, wait a fucking minute. That sounds like a bunch of bullshit. We knew people were not going to be excited about this in the NFL because if you get to week 17 with, you know, one by 16 games in the regular season, how it is now, you got guys crawling towards the finish. Now, I'm not saying that, the playoffs 
aren't the most important. But when the playoffs, normally a lot of the teams that are there are the teams that have been able to survive health-wise. If you're going to add another game onto the regular season, you're looking at these players, a lot of these players who get hit a lot, a lot of these guys who, who get hurt a lot, or not hurt a lot, but in positions to get hurt a lot, they add an extra game. There's no extra bye week. This thing kind of got slid in there. They agreed to it in the new CBA, which I think they were all very concerned about as well, mm-hmm. how the NFL was able to talk to the NFLPA in this new CBA. And basically, anytime they want to drop this 17th game in there, they can drop the 17th game in there. So I think the players had a whirlwind of a weekend. For us, though, I think the big conversation should be, if you go 10-7, and seven, you're a shit team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, the players hate this, okay? And I think we are going to be very, I, I think, interested in seeing how many teams make it through the regular season? Or are there guys resting? Are they changing up what they're going to do during the weeks? Like, this is a big deal. There was a lot of people sending messages to Kamara and other players. Oh, you're playing a fucking kid's game. Like, get with it. All right, you get to play the game and all this stuff. Uh, you should be playing for love of the game. One more game. You should be happy you get another chance to play. It's like, I understand where you're coming from because when you played in high school, it probably was for love of the game. <laughs> but whenever the NFL decides to stop selling the tickets for profit, uh, jerseys for profit, uh, beer for profit, nachos for profit, instead of just love of the game and maybe just enjoying the show. Uh, and whenever the media just gives away, uh, the sh- when you don't have to pay for the games, when they're just doing it for love of the game, just for exposure. And when everybody's doing everything for love of the game, then we can have that conversation. But whenever it is a business, which is exactly what it is, that's how you have to view it. I wonder what's gonna happen now with the salary cap though. So. Is every player just going to get um, in pursuant to what they were paid the first 17 weeks, just another check? And then does that check count against the salary cap then? Or are they getting paid what they think the contracts are right now? Another week is getting added in and their salaries are going to drop for how much they are each week. Because then are they going to have to, is the salary cap going to have to be a fluctuating one because each, each player's individual week check is different? I don't know. Why? See, that's a whole nother bag that yeah. is uh, ben- eventually going to get in. Because if guys aren't getting paid more money and their contracts are remaining the same and another game is getting added, you could see how a lot of guys are like, hey, NFLPA, what the fuck did Whoa. we agree yeah. to? Whoa. So this will all kind of get figured out this week. There's some news there. Uh, obviously, March Madness, there's some news there. Uh, a dude took over the internet yesterday after hitting a game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to him in about 17 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Nestor... Manuel Iguera, the wow. Arizona Christian University yeah, yeah, yeah. kicker. He'll Let's join us go. in about 17 minutes. 5'5", 285, pounds the football through the uprights whenever he has to. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to chat with him. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. We recorded it a little bit earlier because he is a student human athlete out there at Arizona Christian. There's some more Russell Wilson stuff popping mm. off. There's some fallout from the trades on Friday. I mean, Monday morning quarterback with Albert Breer had a bunch of shit in it involving the New England Patriots, the San Francisco 49ers at Boston Connor. I feel like Monday morning quarterback has become your go-to read every single Monday morning. A lot of information coming out about the Patriots. There. Oh, yeah. I enjoy the Monday morning quarterback. Albert Breer does a fantastic job. Uh, there has been a lot of Jimmy G to New England talks, but because the 
the $24.5 million cap hit or whatever, that's not going to happen unless he gets released. And because the 49ers have just been saying, hey, we're using Jimmy G, we're going with him for that red shirt, you know, rookie quarterback to come and learn the offense, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think that is the biggest takeaway from the Monday morning quarterback, what you said there at the end. So this interview with Albert Breer and whoever the fuck it was with, mm-hmm. nobody has a clue who it is. Maybe Shanahan, maybe Lynch, maybe somebody else in the Niners organization on Friday when they traded up to number three overall, giving up a bunch of things to the Dolphins, it made us automatically assume two things. You're not trading up that high to do, to draft anybody other than a quarterback. Yeah. You're not going up to number three because you're you're worried a tight end isn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going up there to get a quarterback. So then everybody was like, okay, so that must mean Jimmy G is on the market. And then in the same hour that they traded up to number three uh, and made it very apparent they're going to go get a quarterback, Steve Weich from the NFL Network talked to John Lynch, and John Lynch said, no, 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 Jimmy G is still very much a part of our plans. And then other GMs are being told that they are not trading Jimmy G, which everybody said that means right now, that's for the moment. But I guess it's a real thing. I guess the overwhelming consensus now is that the San Francisco 49ers will keep Jimmy G on the roster. He will be uh, a mentor uh, quarterback Mm -hmm. for whoever they're drafting at three. And everybody says, look back to when Jimmy G was traded over from New England to San Francisco. They had him learn Shanahan's offense and be on the bench for five weeks. And then when he came in, he went undefeated for them. I guess Shanahan firmly believes in, like, let's not put somebody into a situation they're not exactly ready for yet, especially with this offense. So now that makes you think, okay, is he going to go with Justin Fields, Trey Lance? Is it? Mac Jones. Who is it that's going to go in there, sit behind Jimmy G for an extended amount of time, and then ultimately get their shot as Jimmy G is released from the Niners after this upcoming season because his 2022 contract is one that the Niners owe him nothing, and it is very big. So that's everybody's thoughts on what the situation is. What quarterback will they bring in there? Will Jimmy G be on the roster whenever the season comes around, or is this all bullshit? Or will Jimmy G know that going into the season that his job is to get somebody else better, which is always a fascinating thing because it's your money. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's also on the line if you're Jimmy G. At Ty Schmidt, fascinating NFL storylines as we ramp up to the draft here. Do you think that it's possible, too, that he's almost got, like, house money? Because a lot of people are saying that the 49ers are, again, one of the dark horses. They're not going to be injured. Like, they, they could really make a push to go back to the Super Bowl here. If he does get just one more opportunity to kind of show what he can do, if they get a quarterback, then it's kind of just like a year. Uh, it's almost like a prove-it year. I guess in that Monday morning quarterback, I, I think it was Shanahan. I'm not sure who he was talking to in the quotes that I read, the excerpts that I read. But basically, the Niners understand that their team is a Super Bowl-ready team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we were to trade Jimmy G out for a guy that we've only seen on tape, that would be very uh, like disrespectful to the rest of the team or whatever. It's interesting because last year, the Niners, one year after losing in the Super Bowl to the Chiefs or whatever, their team got COVID. Mm-hmm. Their team got hurt. Mm-hmm. Their team got kicked out of their stadium. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. That's pretty tough. <laughs> that is a pretty tough series of events, all the while going through all the other COVID protocols that everybody else is going through. I think Shanahan and Lynch know that their team is very, very good. I guess in that article as well, it was mentioned that the next draft class of quarterbacks is bleak in comparison to this group. So if we were going to get a quarterback when we eventually need it, which is next year, when 
Jimmy G's contract is ridiculous, and maybe it's time for us to move on. The quarterback for that, the quarterbacks in that class aren't as good as the quarterbacks in this class. So there's a lot of fascinating shit going on, and I think the way it stands right now, Monday, March 29th, 2021, Jimmy G is going to be a mentor to a quarterback until what? Until Jimmy G has an overthrow? Like, <laughs> yep. What, what, <laughs> Just when, about. When is it? Get up. When is it? Till the guy understands what he has. In the backup role, like when when do they decide who goes in, who doesn't? I assume they'll just be able to fucking deal with it. I guess. Yeah, and they said in that article too. No matter what, he, there's no chance he's on the team next year because, like the Colts, they got to pay Warner, they got to pay Bosa, they got to pay Debo Samuel. So with that rookie quarterback contract that hope that they'll draft this year, they'll be able to do that next year by letting Jimmy G go. Hey, and remember, if Jimmy G doesn't help out whoever he gets drafted. Every sense of the word, he's a bad fucking guy. Yep. Yeah. That's what people will say. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G is being a little standoffish with the guy who's inevitably going to take his job and his bag. What an asshole. That that, is, or he'll be so nice to him, it'll be like, oh, great teammate, great teammate. And then as Jimmy G is being shoved out the door, everybody will oh. be like, Jimmy did it the right way, though. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy did, hey, Thank he did, you, Jimmy. He did it the right way, though. You know, it's such an interesting thing for these veteran quarterbacks like yeah man i mean i got hit a bunch of times had to go through a bunch of surgeries but here's the keys to the goddamn car (laughs) so you can take my job that's what people expect out of them and then when they don't do that they're like is he even a good teammate is this uh somebody that you really want it's like i mean that has to be a fine bound now listen i want to let everybody know that if i was a starting quarterback i'd be completely okay letting whoever know whatever, Mm -hmm. okay? Because I would have belief in myself. This happened, I watched Vinatieri with kickers. I think I tried to do the same whenever it was kicking and punting with a, like, hey, you're never going to be able to beat me. So I just want to let you know, like, anything you need, my thoughts, anything you need to hear from me, whatever I can do to help you. This is a small fraternity here. Not a lot of guys make it. If I can help you, let's do it. But I had the confidence, like, okay, this person isn't going to be able to be. You hear that there's sometimes where guys are a little bit older and they see that the franchise is trying to get younger and cheaper yeah. at their position. They get a little bit jaded. They might be great guys, very confident guys, but they're still like, I don't want to fucking... Yeah. I don't want to be forced out. Like yeah. this, It's a very... It's a fascinating thing, and that's where it goes back to love of the game mm-hmm. or business. Oh, yeah. Because if it's love of the game, just let Jimmy G stay on the team forever then. You know, yeah. pay him forever. Yeah, that's right. You know, he loves the game, but it's not that way. It's a business, so everything has to be treated as That's such. why it's also interesting, too, because I feel like in his case, like, he, he probably feels like, well, you guys have never given me a fair shake to begin with. You know, I, every t- I, I go to the Super Bowl, and then all I hear about is how you're trying to get rid of me, and now, you know, like, we have a team that's ready to go back there, and you want me to just get another guy ready? Like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. Well, how about this? You go out there, one overthrow. Now, pretty big overthrow. Pretty big. Big game. Now, allegedly... They, yeah, in the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Man, he hits that. How about if there's no push-off, though? George Kittle, first half. Yeah. yeah. they probably score there. Much different story as well. So, I mean, Jimmy's little life as a 49er quarterback has been quite a roller coaster. But the, the thought of them going out and winning this upcoming year, you know, like a Fitzmagic situation. Mm-hmm. Fitzmagic comes out for the Dolphins. He starts winning. Then they're like, well, we made the decision. Now Tua's coming in. 
And everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, what if Jimmy G has that Fitz Magic thing where he's like, yeah, I'm bummed. Like, I thought this was my team. I thought mm -hmm. we had a chance. Obviously, go the other way. I'll do it. Then they start putting Jimmy G in, like, in fourth quarters like they were doing with Fitz Magic. Ooh. Like, it, it's, it's sometimes these situations work. Sometimes they don't. And when they don't work, it seems as when the starter says, fuck you, I'm going. Like Aaron, basically, with Jordan Love. Like, mm -hmm. all right, uh, now listen, it's not... It's not what happens. It's how you react. I'm going to go do this. But Aaron left zero conversation piece for Jordan Love to ever come into the game. There right. was never yeah. even a conversation that Jordan Love – now, granted, he wasn't even dressing for most games, but that ever happened. With other situations, with the two and Ryan Fitz magic situation, it was like no matter what Fitz does, it feels like they're going to put two in. In hindsight, that's mm -hmm. what – so will it be like that with the Niners? Will it be like, hey, no matter what – Jimmy G does, they're going to put somebody in? Or is it like, hey, if Jimmy G does his thing, this could be like the Jordan Love situation? It, it's got to be the other way, right? like Tua, because if you invest that much in a third pick, like you can't have that guy not dress uh, Packers a large... traded up into the one. They, they did, they did, but like they didn't give 20, up. 26 yeah. compared to three, you know, yeah. like they're expecting that guy to play fairly soon, you would think. Yeah, they still traded into the first round, though. Like that, not granted, number three overall pick is a very valuable piece, especially in poker chips, and you can move out of there again if they really wanted to, but it's worth a lot. But let's not put it past the fact the Packers did have no over mm -hmm. first round pick, and they said we need to get up there to get it. Oh yeah, I mean absolute buffoonery. This guy no will not be that. at thirty three or wherever we were yeah, waiting. Need at. him. Need him now. We need to do that. But the three overall, you're one hundred percent right. Well, and what happens with Jimmy G if you know whatever guy they do draft comes in and just shits the bed? Like Jimmy G's probably already like, hey, you're trying to push me out now. You want me back? I mean, I'm kind of done with you guys. It, it feels point. like they potentially want a. Now, Jimmy G got paid, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Jimmy G got paid. But they they alluded to the fact that they need to pay a bunch of people. So yep. it feels like they're going to try to get young at quarterback at some point, strictly finance-wise. Now, not for the love of the game, but because the business side of the things, they're going to try to get younger or whatever. It's just, what if Jimmy comes out and fucking just lights it up? Yeah. Kind of awesome. Dices. What, <laughs> what are they going to do? Possible, by the way. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's also very possible that Jimmy G does not. And I think that's what Shanahan's thinking. There's a chance this guy. You know what I mean? There's a chance this guy. It's very, it's very fascinating stuff. Um, let's talk about something that ruffles the feathers on the internet. Okay. 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 This, I mean, this more than anything I think we've ever talked about stirs the pot on the internet with a certain sector. Of, nah, the Raiders Derek Carr thing. Got pretty big there oh, for yeah. a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, this Russell Wilson potentially not being a Seattle Seahawk this Whoa. season. Hey, that ruffles the feathers of the Seahawks, the 12s out there in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Those feathers get ruffled out there. Big time. Now, listen, a lot of people have attacked this show for a lot of things. We've been called poor journalists by other sports shows. Mm. The internet has questioned a lot of things. But I will say, we are very, very transparent here, right? Oh, sure. yeah. Always. How did we get to this subject? Let me tell you. There was a conversation that was had about the tweet that was earlier. So everything that we talk about, we look into. Okay? Mm -hmm. And if there's smoke, we try to look for more smoke to see if there's fire. The Russell Wilson is not happy with Seattle. Seattle is not happy with Russell Wilson thing. Was reported by numerous people. Now, there's a lot of Seahawks fans uh, that have tweeted me. Uh, and told me that I should be doing my own investigating to see if it's real or see if it's true or whatever. And I do agree that there are shows that are like that. 
That is not what I, that's not what we do. What we yeah, do no, is no. <laughs> we observe and report. Our yeah. job is to let people know about the shit that all those people that do incredible work with their insider insider game. They have incredible networks. They have incredible connections, and they have incredible conversations they can start. We're just telling you about what we're hearing with our ears to the ground in the internet streets about said teams and situations. The Russell Wilson Seattle one, by all accounts. Seems like the people that were talking about it before a massive trade was on the table for Russell Wilson. So that meant Seattle was listening if there was a trade on the table. Before that was turned down, and I think immediately upon that deal being turned down, we all go, oh, Russell Wilson's back in Seattle. Then Go Hawks start happening yep. again with videos. He's quote tweeting. Um, contracts that are happening in Seattle. He's back. It seems like Russell Wilson has come out very loudly and said, I'm going back to Seattle with all of his actions. But all of these reports continue to happen. And we don't know who's given the information. We do know that some information had to have been right that was given to people because of the trade that Chicago and Seattle had initially set up. But it feels like all the people that said before then something was happening and something was happening, they're saying, hey, Shit's still happening right now. Yeah, with yeah. Philadelphia Eagles just got into play for Russell Wilson what? because oh, of the my. trades that were made on Friday with them getting draft capital. Yeah, it's not slowing down. So I'm not saying this is definitely happening. I'm just telling you that all the people that were talking about it before we heard an actual trade was happening in Fargo, North Dakota, they're still saying the same exact thing. So we can potentially look for that. But how did we get here mm. is a question that we have to ask. Mm -hmm. How did we get to this point? We asked a 17-year-old kid. Yep. Okay? Mm -hmm. We asked a 17-year-old kid. That's right. Who happens to be a fan of this show. Okay? To make a graphic, basically timelining Russell Wilson's experience with Seattle. Let's take a look at that right. By the way, this is a 17-year-old phenom. Okay. All right, just want to let you. Okay. This graphic is maybe the nicest graphic I've ever seen in my entire really? life. Really? It's pretty That's cool. That's what <laughs> Put it up there, Foxy, please. Here's what? the timeline, okay? Here's Russell Wilson and Seattle Seahawks' relationship. 2012-2013, he's drafted 75th overall on May 7th, 2012. Seahawks record, 11-5. Let's go to the next year. He, uh, they won the Super Bowl. He was third in the NFL for most times sacked. You're about to see a trend here. The next year, they lose the Super Bowl. The next year, third in the NFL for most times sacked. The next year, second in the NFL for most times sacked. The next year, second in in the NFL for yards lost due to sacks. The next year, third in the NFL for most times sacked. The next year, first in the NFL for most times sacked. And then this past season, second in the NFL for most times sacked. Jeez. So I think we always... You know, when we were reporting about this, by the way, at Jake K Design mm -hmm. made that. That kid's going to have a billion dollars. Kudos. Yeah. So, Is he working kid, for NFL Live, too? I, I have no yes, idea. That's what, what that it looks like. Is. It's coming. I have no idea what. By the way, there's another one coming that's just like on top <laughs> of that. At JK Design. Shout out, dude. Hey. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. But whenever Team 3 comes out, 
and says that I guess we can put this up. Whenever Team 3 comes out and uh, reports surface that Russell Wilson's camp is frustrated by the Seahawks' inability to protect the Pro Bowler, that was on February 9th. And then obviously Russell Wilson went on Dan Patrick and he said he's frustrated about getting hit too much, but he didn't really say anything that was too devastating to his relationship. But he didn't come out and say, like, hey, what Team 3 had reported isn't true either, though. So it was like kind of mixed messages. Then February 11th, Dan Patrick from the Dan Patrick Show, OG in this game, he reports that the Seahawks management is not happy with Russ and his camp for going public. The current situation is not sustainable. So now we're all mocking Team 3 at this point, if we go back. Like, oh, yeah. oh, we're like, okay, so the chef isn't happy with what the Seattle Seahawks are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. The... Uh, the uh the cardio guru yeah, isn't right. happy with what the Seahawks are doing. The P the publicist isn't right. happy. Like we we kind of mocked that whole thing. I think we did, right? Big oh, yeah. time, for yep. sure. Spiritual kinda, advisor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we kind of mocked the whole thing, like because mm-hmm. he comes out, he spent a million dollars. Put that first graphic back up from JK. Look at the third in NFL for most times sack. Third, second, first, second, third, first, second in the NFL in the sack game. It feels like Russell Wilson's team potentially does have a bit of a gripe. Now, the offense that they're running last year, letting Russ cook, maybe not feasible for this whole thing. It is going to be interesting to see how, because they said like 70 to 85% of the offensive line is coming back from last year after the offensive line has kind of been dragged through the mud here Mm -hmm. by Team 3. But whenever we were going through all the drama of this thing, we might have been a little bit rude to Russell Wilson. Maybe maybe somebody Mm should have been coming out talking about these sack issues a long time ago. Now, did we fact check the 17-year-old's graphic? Oh, we most certainly we did, not. did not. I assume he did his however, research. He did his yeah. research. <laughs> but anyways, the dude's been sacked a bunch of times. And as this drama continues to unfold, it, it makes you think, like, maybe Russell Wilson does have a right gripe here. And he's been sacked that many times, and the worst they went was 9-7. and seven. Like, they were still that good because Russell Wilson was putting the team on his back. So nine and seven now is ten and seven, uh, mm, or is it nine and eight? Uh, I don't know because nine. nine and eight's more eight and eight, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. huh. if you go eight and nine, yeah, it's ten and seven. I think. I think you're right. Which is, you know, not great. Not anymore. great, but <laughs> still ten wins. My, my ten <laughs> still double digit wins. I don't know what to do. But the Russell Wilson thing seems like there's smoke everywhere, by the way. Well, Still like, at this moment. Like you said, like Schefter's not going to report that, hey, he might get traded on draft night. He's not just blowing smoke. He's hearing that from somewhere. So, I mean, I don't but know. why is he hearing it? Who's spreading True. it? True. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you never know with any of this thing, which is what we need to say again, like we let off this whole thing. We're just telling you what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But I can understand how you can get upset sometimes because yeah, I might be saying something that makes your team sound terrible. And I just want to let you know, it's not our fault. No. It's your fucking team's fault. <laughs> Shit, the only other yeah. guy you can think of that got hit that much is Andrew Luck, and he retired. Yeah, listen, we should have kept him safe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hey, maybe. God. He was unbelievable at the football. Yeah. That guy, he would make stupid plays. But because his belief on football is that no play left behind. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, he has I mean, like the the no play left behind that led him to get hit in situations that I think a lot of people would have given up on the play earlier, which is what they I think they were trying to tell Andrew. And Andrew like was like, well, that's not how you play football. Like I, I think there was a little bit of a give and take with Andrew and the people potentially trying to tell him to play football differently because and this is not me. I didn't I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I would assume people were telling him that he can't take as many hits. And he continued to just lower his shoulder and run people over. Yeah, and it yeah. was awesome. Like, it was it was so cool to see. No play was ever dead with him. But ultimately, he took a lot of shots playing like that. Now, could we have protected him better? Most certainly, and should have. And there should have been plays that are like, hey, if this isn't out of your hand, blah, blah, blah. This is where you go with it and that yeah. type of stuff. But there are some players who, you know... Uh, both edges of the sword, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Live by the yeah. sword, die by the sword there. He, Russell Wilson's one of those guys who makes a lot of lot of extra, you know, ad-lib plays. Yeah. Could potentially set yourself up for shots there, but that's because whatever was supposed to happen couldn't happen. How do we make those things happen on a more regular basis? Well, they just love the game. And there, I, it's funny you say that because there's that one clip when Andrew Luck was at Stanford where the running back fumbles it. This dude, D-back, picks it up. He's going for six. And Andrew Bang. Luck lays <laughs> yeah. him out. Bang. He forced a fumble. Bang. He <laughs> yeah. used to bring the hammer. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's many interceptions he's thrown where he hasn't made the tackle because i think like if a turnover happens or something like that mm-hmm. i think he is so pissed yeah that's <laughs> he is so pissed about yeah. what was happening and it, he's a big dude he's oh, the size yeah. of a defensive end yeah he used to fuck people up man that was awesome he was a hell of a player oh, how about yeah. ty just saying is he happy oh every time i talk to him he almost talks me into retirement <laughs> i almost retired <laughs> Oh man! Did you ever see with the linebackers in practice? No, he's no. taking a couple reps. How did you get back with the quarterbacks? He, now he was he was uh, Russell Wilson Seattle stuff though. If I was a Seahawks fan, I could see how I'd be upset about it too. Oh yeah, because it's just like you know we got a guy. Hey, we got a guy. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. Now we got a guy storming out of meetings allegedly mm-hmm. and. Doing all this other stuff. I mean, what's going on behind the scenes? And then Trent Dilfer says, if there isn't some friction between a head coach and a quarterback, I'd be worried. It's like, all right, so will they be able to bury this? I mean, this is a reality show happening in Seattle right now. Now that all this stuff's come out, too, do you think as like Seahawks fans still envision that he would re-sign there? Or is it like a situation where it's like, okay, well, th- he's probably going to go whenever he has the opportunity, so why don't we get something in return? Because we can get a lot in return for him. Yeah, you know, I... The three first rounders they were offered from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Oh, yeah. And what, a third and two starters. Yeah. yeah. Who we believe now are Kyle Fuller and Akeem Hicks, potentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. those, so those two are going to help you immediately. The first rounder this year is going to help you. But then the next two first round picks are dependent upon how well the Chicago Bears do, who have Russell Wilson, a quarterback, those two first could really be early seconds or whatever. So to go and get Russell Wilson, who has the capital to do it? Or Slavsky said the Eagles this morning, the Miami Dolphins, even though they traded from three out and then back up to six, they still have four picks in the first 50, although they do not have the third overall anymore. They have the sixth overall. I don't know. That's going to be expensive. Is it $26 million or whatever over two years they'll have in dead cap space? I don't know. It's going to be it's it's going to be interesting because if if Russell Wilson moves, this show is oh, going to oh, 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 wow. Need it. It'd be celebration time. Yeah. 
dancing on Seattle. Let's go to no, no, not all of them. No, 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 no. no just the people that are coming at coming. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting attacked by this the twelves over it's there. Like, hey, you're not reporting this well, stuff, bro. I'm just reporting what what's being reported. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I'm secondhand. Don't give a fuck. You need to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a Ron White joke. Good joke. Andrew in South Carolina. What's going on, pal? Hey, what's going on, Pat and the boys? Hey, Andrew, like the attitude, like the vibe. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about MCDC's goddamn Detroit line. Let's yeah. go. Let's talk about MCDC. What do you think? Yeah, I also like to get Foxy's take on this. I wanted to know if there's a trade value for Jared Goff with all this talk about quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. What if a guy like Justin Fields slips down to seven? Do the Lions pull trigger on him? Because if you asked me a year ago, hey, for Matthew Stafford, you know, you get two ones, two twos, a three in Justin Fields, I'm saying, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. 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 I don't hate it. I don't hate if they take a quarterback this year. I, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, in saying this. I asked Diggs this last week. Is Jared Goff as bad as everyone says? Well, he is? I do believe he's potentially not great, but there is <laughs> moments where he's very good, right? Yeah. It just feels like when he's very good, he requires a certain thing, and I'm not sure if Detroit is that certain thing. Yeah. I don't. I'm not 100 yeah. sure. But whenever Goff, you, Goff is one of the best live bets in the NFL. Yeah. You can tell early if Goff's vibing or not. Normally, when he's not vibing, is when there is pressure at his feet. So if Detroit can protect him, he can throw. He Hey, he can sling it now. Yeah. That guy can absolutely sling it. But I do believe a lot of the things that went wrong is potentially the offense changing. It may be you got to do some things out of pocket and scramble and extend plays maybe. I don't know because I think they lost a lot of their offensive line because they paid everybody and then a couple of their offensive linemen left over there in Los Angeles. He became a different quarterback. McVay started somebody else over him in a playoff <laughs> game. I mean, it is. I think it potentially may be a toxic sitch in. In L.A., mm-hmm. you know, they both said, see you later, have a good one. Maybe he gets a new spot to go to. If they can protect him, he can throw the ball. I mean, yeah. that's something he can definitely and do. And if I had to guess, I don't think they'll take a quarterback. We just lost Marvin Jones. We just lost Kenny Galladay. We literally have no receivers. There's mm. a lot of good receivers in the draft. Seven's a perfect place for it. Well, see, that's something that he would, I mean, if you're a passing quarterback, you, you know, it yeah. would be good to have somebody to throw the ball Neither. to, which, by Neither. the way, tight end who is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, get another Hawk. one in there. What's his name? T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. So they draft. Kyle Pitts, yeah. you know, part of those two up. Now you have the Patriots <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. and the Lions with MCDC leading the squad with two monster tight ends. Yeah, we love top 10 tight ends in the draft. Hey, Goff can, hey, Goff can hit a tight end or two here. Yeah, in a McVay offense, are we still getting the same situation with, you know, Bob Woods and Cooper Cup on the outside? Or? Well, I think the big thing about the McVay offense is I think we're all going to be pretty impressed with that thing. I mean, yeah. The McVeigh offense got like 45 people jobs in the NFL. Yep. Mm-hmm. McVeigh's offense came in, was so good. If you had happened to get your hair cut at the same barbershop as McVeigh on more than three occasions in a three-week span, you were getting interviews for head coaching jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy had coffee with McVeigh. In Oakland, when he was working with Gruden, this guy, get, get, him, get him a head coaching job. Right get him in here. That's what that offense did initially. Then everybody was like, well, they figured it out. They figured it out. It's not as good anymore. Now that Matthew Stafford is there, I think this McVay offense thing is about to really – I mean, he's teammates with him now. Brockers, I believe, 
if he's teammates now with Goff or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, yep. But when he was initially, uh, when he was asked about this, he was like, oh, yeah, this is a whole step up yeah, now. It's a big upgrade. It's a big upgrade. <laughs> and then he gets straight into Detroit. He's like, I was just, you know, for the fans. I was, he took me to a Super Bowl. Got a yeah. promo. What a moment. That's awesome, by the way. But I think within the building, too, there's a lot of like, hey, now we got to. Matthew Stafford is a fucking savage. I'm guy. so happy for him. He is so good on I football. I can't wait. They got Deshaun Jackson out there, too. If he still has got a little bit in there, Stafford will be slinging that thing. He is him. so, so good at the football. People go through many changes as we get older. Isn't that right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For men, one of the less fortunate changes is that testosterone production begins to naturally decrease in the body. Did you know this, AJ? I am aware. For most men, it begins around the age of 30, and testosterone production declines by roughly 1% per year. My Whoa. God. So if you live to 130, you ain't got shit left. No. Right? Minus 30. Well, if it starts around 30, this is one of those questions on a test where, you know, begins around 30, and the testosterone production declines by roughly 1% per year. So does it start at zero, or does it start at 30? That's the thing. This is where That's they can get you. <laughs> It's one of them damn word problems. This is one of those yeah. problems where you're like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, which, can I ask a follow-up? Anyways, I was good at those tests because I always viewed it as me versus the fucking teacher. That's right. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but this is me versus you. Fuck you. That's how, I, that's how I view it. That's why friends at Roman have a new supplement designed to support testosterone production. I did not know this. They formulated their own supplements with transparent and scientifically backed ingredients. You hear this, AJ? Roman's mm -hmm. testosterone supplement is for anyone who wants to support their own body's natural function. They formulated their own blend with transparent and scientifically backed ingredients. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash USA. Their supplement contains vitamin D3, what? zinc, what? magnesium, what? maca, what? and ashwagandha in a unique blend designed by healthcare professionals that you can't get anywhere else. To learn more about these incredible ingredients, visit GetRoman.com slash USA. Roman is offering $15 off your first order and will deliver your supplements right to your door with free two-day shipping. When you go to GetRoman.com forward slash USA, get $15 off your first order plus free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com forward slash USA. That's good news. Let's try that stuff. Okay. I've been looking for that type of stuff. That's good news. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Now we know. Hey, Roman. Thank you, Roman. Thank, Thank you, Roman. Roman. Thank, Thank you, Roman. <laughs> Joining us now is a man who has a 13-1 record fighting other humans. Woo! He's also the host of the Timbo Sugar Show, which is a podcast that you would enjoy the hell out of. In this past weekend, he knocked at another human. Ladies and gentlemen... Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah! How are you, man? Dude, I'm I'm doing good. You you, miss, you misspoke. It's thirteen and zero. No, okay, that's on me. Thirteen and zero. That one time didn't happen. Um, how are you, brother? How are you feeling a couple days after the fight? What a performance by you. Thank you. I feel good. Um, my hands are a little sore and my shins are a little sore. But other than that, man, I can't complain. Okay, I always wondered with you fighters, okay, because, you know, when I'm at a bar and they have that thing that comes down, tells me how strong my punch is, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
and you know a little intoxicated and you hit that thing a little bit wrong you feel like you break something in your hand you know what i mean you just feel like the next day you're an idiot what happened oh i was drunk fighting that thing i always wondered how do you do you make your hands tougher is this you can just punch whatever you got cinder blocks his hands or do you break your hand whenever you're you know breaking people's faces professionally oh no i'm gonna i, I keep cutting in and out oh no Hold on, turn off the Wi-Fi or something. Maybe the internet can actually be better. Hey, we'll call you back. I think we're good. I think we're good now. Are you guys good? Yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. good? Uh, my dude, it's nice when you you get a good wrap though before the fight. You wrap your hands, and uh, you know that saves it. If we didn't wrap our hands, you know, definitely we'd be, uh, you know, probably breaking more. But no, honestly, my hands feel really good. Um, but yeah, they they, they feel good. Hey, when are we going to get you a championship? You know, you're you're 13 and 0, undefeated. When are we going for it? Because your clip, uh, your quote after the fight, I only get 15 minutes to perform. I got to do something sweet or something like that. I was like, this guy is maybe my favorite fighter I've ever seen in my entire life. You view it as like, hey, I got to do something sweet. You could have done it a couple times. You knock him out. I want you to be champion. Let's make you the face of UFC here. That's the plan. That's the plan. The, 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 the real thing, the real reason what happened is uh, before the fight, I had undefeated shirts made up that say a right hand, another right hand from Sugarland. So I dropped them in the first round, but I dropped them with a left hand. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't walking away because I didn't, uh, because I thought I'd walk off knocked out. I was walking away to let him back up so I could drop him out with the right hand so I could sell my shirt. <laughs> Which which are doing absolutely incredible <laughs> right now. How can I buy that shirt? How can I buy it? Sugarshop.co. Um, merch is merch is a beautiful thing, man. Hey, man. <laughs> hey speaking of merch, are you gonna get uh, Dana White to to wear one of your shirts? I know he said he called what you did a masterpiece uh, Saturday night. And how does that feel coming from him? Yeah, it's, it's always fun to. Uh, to, the, there's only there's only one person I need in in the building to perform for, and that's Dana. Um, it was nice though because my last uh, two fights before that were also in the apex, but there was no. It was like silent when I knocked out Eddie Wineland. It was it was just like completely silent. And then uh, when I knocked out him, you know, there was a little bit of a um, fan reaction. So it, it felt good to have somewhat fans back, but. I need to knock someone out in an arena packed full of people. Okay, so I was about to ask because the UFC and mixed martial arts with no fans, it almost made the viewing experience at home. You know, we got a chance to hear the corner yelling. Every single shot was louder. For you, How you're, you're ready to get back in front of, you know, I think they got like 15,000 down in Jacksonville here yeah. in about a month. It's about to happen. You, you kind of live off of that energy or was it like with no fans, did it affect you at all or did, was it just something you're done with? No, I can perform anywhere. I'm a high-level performer. That's what I train for. That's what I. That's just what I do. I perform and when when the lights are lights are on and, and that cage is locked. I, I can perform anywhere. But the after the fight, after the after the knockout, that's what I miss when the fans go crazy. Um, you know, I've had two viral knockouts where it's just there hasn't been any any uh, any crate like that. Like I said, that last one there was a little bit more of a reaction. Um, but I want I want the the roof to blow off the place. I fucking love you, dude. Yeah. Hey, I, I love that. Like, when you're going into the fight, first of all, you must have felt very confident. You knock him down with a left hand. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Fucking merch now, pal. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa. Oh, no. That was supposed to be a setup there. Is that, 
in that fight, is there a strategy, game plan? What is all, as soon as you get into that cage, is it, is it get slowed down? Do you black out? I guess not because you're trying to sell merch in there. What is the, the mindset before a fight like that? Um, I go into I go into all my fights very calm. I think it's the best way to prepare for, or uh, to prep for war and to get ready to go to war because it really is a, it's a dangerous sport in there. As we saw, I completely murdered that dude. It's kill or be killed. So I'm going in there with a calm mind that I, I you know there's very limited thinking. You know, just enough to know I got to sell the merch, but also I'm, I'm flowing in there. I'm in there. I'm flowing. That's the that's the highest level of a flow state. I'm in there. I was very confident going into this fight. I knew that kid was um, 20 and four or something like that, and he's a very good striker. And uh, I knew he wasn't going to be able to take me down, so it was going to be a 15 minute kickboxing match. And there's not very many people that can outstrike me. So uh, going into that fight, I was very confident. Um, and once I dropped him, I, you know, I I went and rewatched the fight. The commentator was saying it was the biggest mistake of my life, and I'm just this young kid. I'm just I need to mature. I'm 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 not smart enough in there. And I'm thinking I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm pretty mature as far as you know, a professional fighter. Uh, I've been striking for a long time, and I just didn't feel in any danger in there. I didn't. If I wanted to get on him and get a TKO finish, I could have jumped on him and, and, and did that in the first round. That's not what I'm in there for. I'm in there to put people's lights out, and I want to go viral. I, I have, like I said, I have 15 minutes in there. Why? Why end him in in three minutes in the first round when I can you know I'm still having fun in there I just broke a sweat I'm just starting to have to breathe out of my mouth I was nasal breathing that whole time so I, I need to get in there and, and have some fun um you only get a fight a couple times a year it takes so long it takes eight weeks to get into that good of shape I'm not gonna you know my last three fights were were three first round finishes one of them I got finished but fuck it was still a first round I didn't get a fight you know too long so I, I was in there trying to bust someone's head up I wish the commentators yeah, I mean, what a moment that would have been. Yeah. I think he's letting him up because <laughs> yeah. the shirt, I mean, if we get technical here, he already has him printed up. Like, what a business. You said I had no fear in there. God, let's put the fucking strap on this guy. Mm -hmm. What do you have, Connor? Yeah, Sean, uh, how long until you get back in the ring? Because you just mentioned it takes about eight weeks to uh, get back into shape. And also, who's next for you? Yeah, that, that's been the question uh you know, the second after you fight, the next question is who's next. And um, a lot of I, – I heard Dominic Cruz mm. text Chael Sonnen saying he wants that fight. Mm. So I don't know if Chael got a, got a prank text from a fake Dom or if that's real. Um, you know, that's, that's a potential matchup. I know Dustin Poirier tweeted the other day, July 10th. So I think, you know, I'm a, pr I'm a pretty good co-main event type dude. So Dustin versus Connor. Sugar versus Dominic. I don't know. That makes sense. That might be it. July, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely want to get in there a couple more times this year. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, that'll be a huge card, obviously, uh, in the Sugar Show, by the way, co-main eventing. Oh. oh, for a Connor fight, which is the promos you two motherfuckers would have. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be awesome. You've been fighting for 10 years, you said, because you took, um, obviously, some offense to them saying you're young, you don't know. How did you get to that? Because you debuted in 2017, right? How did you get into the fight game? Were you a wrestler, a kickboxer? What were you before you got into mixed martial arts? I, pl I played basketball, football, baseball, soccer from when I was you know, three years old till high school. And then you all have all of a sudden have to start getting good grades to play sports. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so then I, I found kickboxing where you don't have to get good grades to play school sports. So I started kickboxing um, when I was 16 years old. 
had four fights that year, um, kickboxing fights, amateur, and just, just fell in love with it. Um, you know, I didn't like jiu-jitsu. I didn't like wrestling at all. I just liked the, st the striking aspect of it. Um, I turned 18, had an MMA fight, and, uh, you know, I ended up falling in love with the whole sport of MMA, moved down to Phoenix, and um, when I was 19 years old, and I've been here for the last, you know, seven, eight years, just, just grinding two-a-days, getting better, and improving a lot. Will you take a couple of days off now, or are you right back in there because potential July 10th around the corner? Dude, my shins are hurt. My shins hurt so bad from kicking him in the head. <laughs> like they, like I, it, I'm wall. I'm like walking. I'm limping around. Um, so I'm gonna have to take a few days off. But you know, I, I eat super clean outside of camp. I have a hot tub, a cold plunge at home. Mm. I literally, and I, I tell people this, they don't understand. I cold plunge. I get in the fucking cold plunge every single night for three minutes. And it's, uh, you know, for re I'm recovering every night so I can train again in the morning. Um, but as far as being able to train this week, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how my legs feel. Yeah, that's supposed to flush out all the bad shit, I guess, those cold plunges. It's a, a terrible experience. You're doing it every single night. To, to toughen up the shins, uh, I've seen movies. You kick bamboo trees, right? That's what you're, oh, supposed, yeah. to, you're supposed to kick bamboo trees. Just something to think about. <laughs> I'll have to order a bamboo tree. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> I'll send it on over time. What do you have? Sean, is there like a method that you prefer to knock a guy out with? Like you were just talking about your shins and everything. Like is it more satisfying putting a guy to sleep with your hands or kicking him in the head and knocking him out? I've knocked I've knocked a lot of people out in my days. with. Uh, I've knocked people out with my feet. I've knocked people out with my shins. I've knocked people out with uh, both my hands. I don't think I've ever knocked someone out with uh, elbows. Or knees, but um, it's just 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 the putting someone's lights out where there's no question that you're the man that you that you dominated the fight that it, that it's completely over. So yes, just knocking them out doesn't really matter how, but not a TKO, not where the ref stops it and the guy's kind of coming up. Just I want that dude to be out, not not to have any you know to be done. No questions asked. You guys all seem to have this trait inside of you that when it appears as if the other human is dead. You know what I mean? Like, it appears as if they are dead on. There's a, this reaction from you guys to kind of, now granted, walk off. You're a walk off hitter. But is that just because there's a chance that that fight is going to continue? Like, why is that? Is that just a natural instinct to get another shot on? Why does that happen? I don't know. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with my fight against Eddie Wineland, are you? Yeah, yeah. No. You, I, I knocked, knocked him out completely cold and I just dipped. I turned around and left. <laughs> this was last year, July 6th. Oh, yeah, um, I do remember that. I do remember it, that. I, I hit him, and he, I knew. I felt his soul when I hit his chin. Like, his soul left. So I knew I didn't hit him again. When Thomas, and I hit Thomas with that left hand, and he kind of rolled over. Like, he was, I looked in his eyes before I threw that punch, and he was, he was there-ish. He was there enough to look at me. To where I knew the ref wasn't going to stop it. He was looking at me, just didn't have any control of anything. Like he just, I knew he was done, but I had to put one more, one more in there. Um, and you know what? It's not even. I didn't. I don't know if I really enjoyed doing that. I do. Right after, I'm like, damn it, that probably took a couple of years off his life. Um, so it doesn't. I, I don't know, man. It's the sport we're in. I do have compassion right after. I do. I, I legitimately felt bad I, I you know i don't want to it's the game we're in i do love knock people out but i also feel bad it's a weird mix yeah you're not the only one by the way it's the game you're it's literally the sport you're in what do you have aj hey speaking of of uh 
you know, taking somebody's soul. Were you able to, to stay around and, and watch Francis Ngannou take on Stipe? And how scary is Francis? And do you think he will fight John Jones? Oh, my. Dude, yeah, Francis, dude, I, I was so nervous going into that fight. Stipe is one of the nicest guys ever. I've only met him a couple times, but just watching him, you know, on the embedded and stuff and, and, and meeting him in person, he's so nice. He's a, he's a firefighter. And, uh, you know, we'll go, he beat Francis once. When I heard they were having a rematch, I was like, God damn it. I just, Francis is a scary dude. And um, it, it sucks to see Stipe go out like that. But uh, John Jones cl- claims, and I believe him, he says he's not scared of Francis. But I don't know, man, because I'm pretty fucking terrified of Francis. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not John Jones either. So, they're, they're, you know, is there that, anybody- that's an interesting fight. Is it when you're fighting, I assume just like, uh, I don't know how much you know about the NFL. Joe Thomas told us that every season, even the one where they won 0-16, he thought they were potentially going to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like he thought, we're going to win a Super Bowl. He's bought in as a member of the Cleveland Browns, they're going to win the Super Bowl. For you, at what point do you realize that you have the plan to beat the person? Like, are you watching film on them? Is it early in the, the, the training camp? Is it when you see them in the stare down, whenever you stare through? Them? At what point do you know, like, okay, I'm going to win. This is a winning fight for me. Um, you know, the, the, that confidence comes from putting in the work in the training camp. So, you know, you name anybody on the roster right now, you tell me I'm fighting them. I'm, I know I can knock them out. Like I know I have, you know, the, the pot, the options to knock them out. So, uh, really just with the skills that I have right now, I believe I could knock out anybody in my division. So, but, the, but the real confidence to just be able to, you know, cl- tell people that. A lot of people don't want to say, I'm going to go in there and knock this dude out because they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to end up losing the fight and then have that video out there. You know what I mean? So but a lot of people just don't want to look stupid. Um, but I'm confident in my skills. I, I truly believe I could knock out anybody in the division. And I thought I was going to be in the NFL when I was in like sixth grade. So, Hey, I feel like you probably could have made it, man. I feel yeah. like you could have made it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I didn't grow as much as I thought I would. How tall are you? 5'11", and you walk around every day weighing what? Um, 155. How's the cut? Is it tough? Is that just something you got to know you're used to? Yeah, they're, they're, it's, you know, every single, every, every weight cut's tough. It's, uh, you know, the last 10 pounds are always rough. You know, I always look pretty fucking sucked down when I get on the scale. <laughs> and, uh, but I always fill out really well. I always fill out really well and, uh. You know, I do it. I do it as much, I do it as as healthy as I can. Uh, it's definitely there's no way your your body feels like you're fucking dying. Your heart's beating and you're just laying there like it's a weird feeling, but it's it's somewhat enjoyable in, in a weird way. Yeah, you accomplish something that is damn near impossible. So that's probably a, a good fulfilling feeling. Uh, when you see the picture of yourself on the scale, you always go, hey, "That guy looks fucking terrible." Is that what you think when you see the photo? <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, damn, it, it, it's weird to go because you're only, a, I'm only 136 pounds for, you know, 45 minutes or, or, or whatever it is. And then, you know, you start you, you sipping your liquids, you start filling out pretty fast. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's weird to look at. Well, we hope we get a chance to see you fight again very soon. Can't wait to see you be the champion. I'm going to listen to the Timbo Sugar Show because I feel like you're an electrifying human being. It just feels that way. Yeah, the Timbo Sugar Show. You know, we always get get in a little bit of trouble. We're a little controversial. Say some, uh, say some, say some juicy things. But <laughs> I don't got, I don't got a boss. I mean, Dan is my boss. But other than that, we don't got. I don't have anyone telling me, hey, don't say that. So it's kind of, it's nice. <laughs> 
That's yeah, pretty freeing feeling because as long as you don't piss off Dana, as long as you're performing for that, and you're uh, you stream too, right? You're a big gamer. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't I hadn't streamed like the whole fight camp. I, I you know I really dialed in fight camp, made sure I was recovering in between training sessions. So I'm actually gonna hop on my stream right after this for the first time in a couple weeks, and it's gonna be uh be a lot of fun. What are we playing? What are we playing? Warzone. I've been, I've been addicted. I get addicted to one game at one game at a time. It was Fortnite for like two years. Now it's a uh, now it's Warzone. Hey, go snipe some folks, huh? Let's go ahead and show them. Okay, let's knock them out. You know what I mean? Let's knock them out. Let's put on a show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the future champion UFC Bantamweight fighter, Sugar Sean Amari. Thanks, we, we, need, we need the shirts. The shirts one more time. Sugarshop.co. Sugarshop.co. Yes, sir. Support the business, dude. Dude, fuck yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. you. Hey, no I, th I throw you on randomly in the morning. I'm not, I don't really follow football too much, but I just throw you on because you're fucking entertaining and I enjoy your guys' show. Oh, thank Hey, Hey, I throw the fights on whenever you're on, and I don't really know what's going on, but you're fucking entertaining in there, man. <laughs> I got I to gotta give him a shout out to my little brother because he's the one that showed me you. He's like, dude, you would love this guy. He's a fucking character. Uh, so shout out to my little brother, Daniel. Shout he, he's out. Watching right now. Shout, shout out, out, Daniel. Yeah, shout out. Hey, Ballin, was that the fadeaway? Oh, I had to hit him with the Kobe. Oh, Kobe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, was a, there was a full conversation on whether or not it was Kobe or just balling because you just knocked out another human. Uh, Sugarshop.co, we appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Put the fucking belt on that guy. Yeah, immediately. Can we please get him at a press conference? Imagine him sitting in one thing and then Connor sitting on one side and then uh, Poirier and Dom or whatever on yeah. the other side. Oh, my God. Heels, baby faces, let's just let this be had. Mm -hmm. Oh, that would be amazing for the UFC. I hope it happens. Yeah, it should. I mean, it should happen. It's It's got to be freeing. Like you said, he's, oh, I don't have a boss. Well, I guess Dana is my boss. Well, you look at your boss and see that guy doesn't seem to uh, have any issue with free speech, so you can pretty much say what you want. I, mean, I don't know what you could say to anger Dana. I mean, maybe something financial-wise, but that's it. So I knocked him down my left, and I thought, well, oh, another man. right hand from Sugarland for Murph. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you hope. You hope. Oh, we're going to get it right for that, for sure. No, it was a gif. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a gif. We're yeah. allowed to use gifs. Yeah, sure. We rolled the dice right there. Him going, yeah, you know, I didn't love to do it. You know, take a few years Here's off that guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Awesome. Did you see my fight against, uh, what? I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I knocked him out, and then I dipped. Yeah. And that was when he did this thing, yeah. and I think he did uh -huh. the whole dance. Oh, my God. What a legend. <laughs> Joining us now is a head ball coach, okay? Mm -hmm. Head football coach. His record, his overall record in coaching. Tell me if uh, this sounds about where you would think just in your head. Okay. He's 259, 132, and one. Hmm. That's a lot of football games. Holy That's a lot shit. Of football wins. That is a lot of days on sidelines. That is a lot of days, you know, teaching. That is a lot of days instructing. He's a college football Hall of Famer. Maybe potentially, if we get a chance to talk him into it, a future president. Now, the head coach of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels football team, Mac Brown. Yeah. Hey guys, how are you, Mac? How, how's it going, Coach? Good. I, I think I'm supposed to say. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's whenever we say we're on Mad Dog. You know, as soon as you hear the dog, it's just like a Pavlov's dog situation. You know, with the uh, the word and the bark. How you doing, Coach? How's the off season going? I'm I'm doing great, Pat. We're hopefully we're working through all this craziness for this year and and all the sadness that that people have incurred, where it was losing people or our family members or friends or losing jobs, losing homes, can't eat. I mean, it's just, uh, it's uh, uh, so many of us are blessed, but there's so many that are hurting out there. There's a lot of anger in our world right now. We got to, we got to love everybody and pull everybody back up and, and, and get back on the right track. Our, our social injustice has been a, a, a real tough year for a lot of things, but, but positives can come out of all this. We can't get the people back we lost, but surely we can learn from it. And Sally, my, my wife, Sally Pat, told me last spring I was pouting and, and said, you know, what am I doing? I mean, I can't see the players. I can't see the coaches. We don't have staff meetings. I should have stayed in TV. I, I, I can't do anything. <laughs> she said, uh, maybe you're supposed to be leading. Maybe you're supposed to be stepping up and helping these young people through this and help families and help people. And Maybe that's why we came back to coach. So you need to be really careful that you say it's not a good time. Maybe it's the perfect time because you're experienced and you've been around and maybe you can help. So since that day when I, I got subtly chewed out by my wife for, for pouting, I've really, really tried to get up every day with a purpose and, and try to help somebody during these crazy times coach that's fantastic by the way i think the whole world wishes that we all felt that way it's fantastic that you're in a position to change lives on a very regular basis i think a a football coach especially a college coach is one who can be you know very influencing on somebody for the rest of their life for this season and you've been you said your experience maybe sally said your experience maybe this is why you're here to do this what was it like going through a season was it a lot of like um most you know growing as a team as people and and then also football was there like how do you think it was different than in the years past with everything going on pat the the biggest thing it was uh athletes coaches are creatures of, of routine and we had none everything was i'm not sure i don't know are we going to be able to play i'm not sure how can we be in a locker room together i don't know can we actually touch a ball or are we going to get COVID from it? I'm not sure. Um, how can we eat? How do we travel? How, so th- there were so many unknowns and that drives you crazy. And especially in a routine business like we're in, but the players were unbelievable. I, I, I said early, we will not let you play if it's not safe. That's a hundred percent. So if you want to play now, you, you've got to, you've got to handle your end. You can't go to parties. You, you can't be regular students. You can't go out and eat. You can't get in big groups. You're going to have to, you, you saw the NBA bubble. You're going to have to be in a bubble here in Chapel Hill. And, and, and to play, that's what you're going to have to do. Is it fun? No. Are you going to have to give up a lot of things to play? Absolutely. If you don't want to play, I'll go play golf and fish. I got it. <laughs> if you, if you want to play, I'm going to coach you and our coaches are going to coach you. And we're going to coach you hard, and we want to win, but you're going to have to give up a lot of who you are and a lot of your individualism for this team, more than the normal team. And they did that, Pat. We had one young person to miss a game this year because of COVID. Just wow. one. It was unbelievable. I'm so proud of these kids. 
Uh, people were all over the place on spring break a few weeks ago. We get back, we got no positives. And, and we're, we're going to our fourth day of spring practice tomorrow. So I, I know we're, we're still vulnerable. I know it's still out there. I know we could get COVID next week. But so far, our guys have bought in, and I'm so proud of them. And, and they'll have a, a different but a better experience, a harder experience for learning when they get out of here than – than most college students. So they, they know they can do things that are very difficult. And first of all, I do believe your student human athletes of your football team deserve a round of applause. Yeah. I don't even know how that's possible. I don't know how it's even possible. I don't know how it's even possible because a DoorDash delivery person could potentially at one point, we believed at one point, there was a chance they could sneeze on the food and, and get that thing and then you get it five minutes later from time. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredible work by your team buying in there. Uh, day four of spring practice, uh, how's the team? How are we looking, huh, Coach? How we are we feel good out there? Yeah, you know, it's fun. Uh, expectations are higher than two years ago where we had won two games the previous year and three games the previous year. So we won seven. We won eight. We go to the Orange Bowl. I was really proud that when we lost the Orange Bowl game to Texas A&M, Pat, they were, they were devastated. So they didn't go there just to, to play and be proud. They went to win. So that, that's a great sign for me in the locker room. I wanted them to be hurting, and they were. And then we, we had 12 new guys come in that are early enrollees, and we've got a grad transfer and, and um, Ty Chandler from Tennessee that's a really good running back. We had our first day on pads on thir- on uh, Saturday, and I've never been more excited. We, we got a lot of work to do. We had a bunch of penalties, and we, oh, we had can't turnovers. Have it. And it, it was an awful first day for me to have so much fun. But I still had a lot of fun because I can see the potential of this team. And people are saying, you know, if you lose any games, they're going to be mad. That's a good thing. I've coached at Texas. I get that theory. I understand that you have to win all the games, and that's okay. That's what we want. What a great thing for people to be mad if you ever lose a game. So I've told the guys we're we're working at, uh, at a different standard now than than we have the previous two years. Yeah, you earn that pressure. Right. That's a, that's some that that's a, that everybody talks about those big pressure moments like, well, you've earned your way to get to this point. Now, how do you handle it? There are people, though, that are OK with expectations not being too high because then you can float under the radar. I think it says a lot more about you if people know you're coming and you can still show up. But now my question for you, coach, you seem like and I might be wrong. I'm not in there day to day, but it feels like you're. A, a leader of the team, like a um, I, I, like a, uh, a setter of the culture almost. You're not offense coordinator, not defense coordinator. It's like, hey, you're the guy. Hey, this is the this is the way we're going to go. This is this whole thing. And in the NFL, there was a a run there where offensive gurus were hired who were potentially in their playbooks and then in their call sheets all day. They weren't really leaders of the team. Now, Motor City, Dan Campbell, Vrabel, there are guys that are viewed as it, whenever you think about coaching and how coach. Coaching has evolved with, with the role that you currently play. Were you always like this? Did you used to be coordinator and then became like just overarching guy? Like, how do you feel is best for the coaching world? And do you believe that the just one sided coach can become the best potential head coach he could be? Now, Pat, I used to be the offensive coordinator and I called all the plays, even as the head coach here at one time, I was calling all the plays. And I talked to George Welch, who's a Hall of Fame coach from Virginia that we lost a couple of years ago. And, and we were standing out there before the game. He says, you still call the plays, don't you, boy? 
And I said, yes, sir. And he said, you won't do that much longer. You're going to find out the head coach got a lot more to do than call those plays. And you're going to catch yourself trying to catch up on Friday nights and trying to run and watch video. And, and, I, and, and that did happen. So what I do now, Pat, is, is uh, I'm very direct. We'll, we'll have a meeting here at, at 2 o'clock with our, our staff, and I'll go over everything I saw that's positive and everything I saw that was a concern on Saturday. Because I want them to coach. I want them to control their units. Uh, but I'm going to be in charge of them. And I don't want them pouting. I want them to grow up. I said, you, you guys criticize your players, and you wonder why – uh, they can't handle criticism. Heck, you're 50 years old and you can't handle criticism. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, grow up. We're, we're, trying, to get, we're trying to win the games. We're, we're not trying to make everybody feel good. This, this isn't the Boy Scout troop. So not everybody gets an award. Not everybody gets a hug. Do your job. Now, Do your job. Bring your unit up. Get better. And if your guys aren't doing better, they're a reflection of you. You all are a reflection of me, but your players are a reflection of you. So if they're offsides every time, man, you're offsides every time. Mm. You're, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Oh. So so that that's what I do now, and I've been more direct since I came back. I thought at the end at Texas I probably uh, gave them too much latitude, and I let them take too many recruits. I see every recruit. I've got to meet every recruit. I want to talk to every recruit because I've been doing this longer than our guys. And I see the whole picture and they don't. They see their their picture. And and it's really important for me to let them know what I feel. That's um, amazing. Thank you for all that, by the way. That was a great answer there. Whenever you're meeting with recruits, what do you think? What are you trying to find out? What, what are you trying to learn about? Because we're in the middle of this draft world now, and they're talking about, you know, this guy is a good teammate, good culture guy, whatever. And then sometimes there's misses. Sometimes there's hits. Whenever you're meeting with recruits, what are you – what is the – obviously, they got to be good at football, but what are you trying to learn about them to see if they'll fit in as a Tar Heel? Well, Pat, they're good at football or they wouldn't be in models. <laughs> because we've, we've already figured out the evaluation. And we have 12 people. We've got Daryl Moody, an ex-pro scout that ran our pro day this morning. We've got Sparky Woods, who was a head coach at three different times. we got a lot of people with eyes on every prospect to see if they think they're good enough to play for us or not. And, and, and that's a, it's, a, it's a really good, thorough process. So I'm not worried about whether they can play or not. So my two things are, are do I like them or not? I was talking to Bo Schimbecker when he, he did an ABC game for us back in the 90s, and I went to dinner with him, and I love Coach, and I said, Coach, how do you tell who to recruit in the end? Let's say you got 12 guys left and you got four scholarships. How do you pick them out? He said, all of them are good enough, or you wouldn't be talking about them. Take the ones you like. If you like them, they're going to like you. And in the fourth quarter, if they like you, they're going to play hard for you. And if you don't like them, they're going to know you don't like them, and you're going to be miserable, and it's not going to work. So, number one, take the ones you like. The second thing is I try to put myself in the prospect and, and his parents' seats and minds. They're smart people. So if I was them, would I come here? And why would I come here? And then I, I tell them that. You should come here for these reasons. If I'm you. And I've told some, Pat, which coaches think I'm crazy when I do that, or assistant coaches, I said, you shouldn't come here. <laughs> you should go to Auburn. Here's why. And they look at me like, come on, man. I said, he's not going to be happy here. Transfer portal. We want people here that want to stay. 
We want people that fit here. So let's get the right ones. Let's go get somebody that looks pretty and then him not be a fit. How do you feel about the transfer portal? That's changing the game completely. It is become, I mean, when it was first introduced, I think there was a lot of skeptics and conversations, but now that we're a couple years into this, it feels like it's a chance for guys to really make a, a, a pretty big decision whenever they want. It was never like that. How are you, how do you deal with that? Do you have to uh, pocket some scholarships for potential transfer portal players? Or if your guys go in there, how does that whole thing work and how do you feel about it? as an overall concept yeah pat it's a great question our coaches asked the other day how do you coach anymore with a transfer portal and i said get the right ones and treat them fair and then mm. they won't want to leave mm. and and that's what we talked about with where should does that parent think his, his young person should go uh, the second thing is i uh, i think there's some good qualities to the transfer portal i don't like the fact that you can transfer in may and, and Sam Howell on our team could transfer to Virginia Tech and open up against us. Oh, he in, won't. In the first game. Hopefully he doesn't, by the way. He won't. He could, though. The rules are in place. And the other thing I don't like, Pat, it, it's giving some young people uh, an easier chance to run away if something happens poorly or they're not playing. They don't have to fight anymore. They don't have to compete. Let's just quit. And only 37% of the people was the stat I got last year found a better place to go in the portal than they had. And we're seeing some young people get left out because some don't get scholarships or they have to drop down a level. And we've got agents and third parties and parents telling them, you're good, man. You shouldn't be a second teamer. You need to be starting somewhere else to leave. And unless they have a place to go and they're not supposed to, it would be tampering. But unless they have a place to go, a lot of the guys, they, they drop way down to another level and they're just disappointed. So that, and I think over time that'll probably level out some and fewer people will go into the portal because now we've got over 2,000 football players that are mad and trying to find a place to go. Uh, and yes, we, we always keep a couple of scholarships. I'm not a big transfer guy. I'd rather bring a high school player in and let him grow in our system then bring a transfer in. So for us, it would be a stopgap. So if, if we get somebody hurt or we need somebody at one position, like the running back this year, we lose the two great running backs to the draft. We needed an older running back to be in that room, so we took Ty Chandler. But we're not going to be a team that sits around, looks at the portal all the time, and, and make our living with transfers. That's just not who we are. Uh, you're going to do it through the draft. The NFL teams, through the draft or free agency, you're going through the draft. Yeah, you're yeah, going that thing from within, Coach. I can absolutely That's respect. It. Connor, what do you have? Yeah, Coach, you mentioned last season, you know, your players couldn't really be college uh, students and be able to party and stuff like that. Uh, do you see that being the same thing this upcoming season, or do you think there will be a little bit more normalcy uh, to the entire uh, college athletics? Connor, it's another great question. We're sitting here right now trying to decide who should get the vac who who will get the vaccine and who will not. I've already had both vaccines. Okay. The the good news is I I, I got it early. The bad news is I got it because I was old. <laughs> so, so it's not all good. <laughs> hey, it's better than the alternative, Mac. I mean, <laughs> those are facts. Those yeah. are facts. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what we've got. True. So Connor, what we're hearing right now is if I have the vaccine and everybody on our team has the vaccine, we can go back to normal when we're around each other. No masks, no social distancing, no contract tracing. When we go to the grocery store and we're not sure who's got the vaccine and who hasn't, supposedly we will have to wear a mask again. 
So our players are eligible to start getting their vaccines here in the next week or so. And I'm constantly talking to them and they're asking me, should I get it? Should I not get it? What if I've already had a positive? Um, and, and what will change for us? So the question, Connor, will be if 50 players get it and 50 players do not get it, the way I understand it, we'll still wear a mask, have social distancing, and have contact tracing. Hmm. If I've got 15 people in the staff meeting and all 15 get the vaccine, we can go back to normal. But hmm. we're not sure what happens if 13 get the vaccine and two do not. Do we have to all wear a mask because those two would not get the vaccine? So I think they're still working through this stuff. But my hope is that all of our staff and all of our players at some point would want the vaccine so we could get back to normal as soon as we can. All of our children are getting it. Uh, my friends are all getting it. So every word I hear uh, from, from doctors and scientists that I trust tell me to get it. So hopefully there'll be some more moments, you know, with you, you know, mm -hmm. maybe dancing, you know what I mean? Doing yeah, without a mask. Yeah, with yeah. no mask. Yeah, just doing it. This wouldn't dance. be the same without my great facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> right. My injury is I'm dancing. Ty, what do you have? Coach, the last time you were... Win. Hey, it was a great win. Great dance. Let's not oh, get yeah. crazy. Yeah. Ty, what do you have? Coach, the last time you were on the show, you mentioned that uh, towards the end of your time at Texas, it got to the point where you were just relieved after a win and you were just hoping that you didn't lose. And it's kind of interesting because they haven't had the same type of national success since you left. Uh, so my question is, do you think that the expectations um, are still the same at Texas now as they were when you were the head coach there? Yeah. Was it Tyler? Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Uh, Ty, uh, absolutely. Uh, the expectations at Texas will never change. That, that's the people have tremendous pride in that program. They want to win all the games. They expect to win all the games. And, and that's the way it should be. And, and now, like I said, we lose to Florida State last year. And Florida State played better than we did on that night. Everybody around here thought it was a disaster. And two years before, we'd won two games. So it doesn't take long to change those expectations. <laughs> But uh, they're not going to change it, Texas, that, and, and that's a good thing. you got to love it. I used to call it pride instead of pressure because it's the pride of that state in their football program that they, they want to and feel like they should win every game, and, and that's one of the great things about coaching there. Okay, so I don't know when your heart out is, and I appreciate you joining us here. My last question is, and, and it was while you were talking about Texas there, and I'm not sure – if I'm educated on this, is there like a group of people that are in charge there? Like, isn't that what always gets talked about? Is like there's a chancellor's or or there's something like that that you have to regions. a board, yeah, yeah, some sort of something. Is that is that blown way out of proportion whenever they talk about that Texas job? When you're winning, you're in charge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that means you've got to win more than nine. Okay. When you're when you're winning eight and nine, other people get in charge. Okay. And your job at Texas is to make sure you stay in charge. <laughs> okay, and when right. we were winning 10, 11, 12, and 13, I had pretty good control of what was going on. When we got back to 8 or 9, I had less control. Let's just put it that way. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so a hey, point taken. And uh, so thankful for you joining us. Congrats on the – the turnaround at UNC, I know you saw that as an opportunity to get back into something that you missed alongside a conversation with your wife when you were visiting for a Hall of Fame, I believe. Uh, congrats on all the success, and thank you for your time, Coach. Thank you, Pat. Love being on. You guys do a great job, and, and you all have a wonderful day. Ladies and gentlemen, Mac Brown. Yeah! Yeah! 
AJ Hawk joining us. Okay. Wow. Hey, is that your own? Is that your own? What is that? Does that say A for AJ? Uh, I mean, it could for Aaron, my first name, but I guess it's Adidas. Oh. No, Adidas is on the other side. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's. Oh, that's yeah. not their right. Oh, did yeah, you I put had, that? I had on? a special made, yeah, specially made for myself. Yeah. Did you? Re- is the J below no, it? <laughs> no. Look, this is a patch. I guess you can change it out. I don't know. Look at this. So you. Oh, Whoa! so you did. So you, yeah. oh, nice. so you did. How many letters no, did you get? This is how it was sent to me, bro. That is so dope and innovative, bro. How is your whole thing just one of those Velcro things? Like, can you put that anywhere? <laughs> no, it ha- it's like a jumpsuit. It has the matching pants and everything. Can you Ooh. just put that A though, like on your collarbone? If I. If I glued some more Velcro to the different parts of the coat, yeah. Oh, so you glued oh. the Velcro to that so you can no, Velcro that? this is to- how wow. it came. I'm sure you can buy it on the Adidas site. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you, you know you can glue it anyway? <laughs> I mean, what a start. <laughs> As you're waiting to do a read. No, no, no. Ah. There's actually some really good shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought. Oh, I thought this was the good stuff. Not a, well. Sorry to the serious listeners. AJ has a jacket on that's very fascinating yeah. right now. I just realized it has a patch. That's yeah. Velcro. Are we still have ads for that jacket. I have no idea. I think we should think about it, especially if he could put that thing. Imagine if on one he had A and oh. a J. Oh, oh man, God. to the on the front. Oh, good. let's do it. All right, all right. Hugh Jackson. Okay, former head coach. Did you play on a team that Hugh Jackson was a part of? Do you know him personally? Yeah, Hugh was the offensive coordinator during my season in Cincinnati. Okay, so you know Hugh. We know Hugh. Okay, mm-hmm. we love Hugh. Mm-hmm. Hugh's, you all right? Yeah, I'm a huge Hugh guy. Hugh's <laughs> appearances on Hard Knocks did not paint him in the greatest light, okay? He, though, since leaving the Cleveland Browns, uh, I think in my eyes, complete rebound on his entire image i'm big hugh jackson guy now he's dominated on our show he's done very well on our show he's releasing a book i guess he's doing an interview right now with espn cleveland and at espn cleveland is tweeting out quotes from this interview with hugh jackson in cleveland you know hey there's some shit going on. He's releasing a book, and there's going to be. I think it's going to be a long book. I think yeah. there's a lot. Here's some of the. Um, here's some of the quotes. Uh, Hugh Jackson on being blamed for the Browns losing seasons. I think I became the fall guy because that was the narrative. There's no doubt I was lied to by ownership and leadership of the team, says Hugh Jackson. Ooh, wow. Hugh Jackson would go on to say they were going to be football plus analytics, but it was football versus analytics. Classic battle right now. Uh, after Owen sixteen and no one knows this, I was given a contract extension, Whoa. Hugh Jackson says, in Cleveland. Hugh Jackson would then say, uh, I got a contract extension at 1-23 midway through the season. I wanted to go public with it, but the Browns did not. He also would say on the A.J. McCarron trade, the one that famously did not go through because of a faxing issue, they said, I stood there with Jimmy, said, get it done. The owner said, do this, and the paperwork didn't get done. I know the paperwork went from... Uh, Brown to Chris Cooper, and it didn't get done. He continued to say, I took the job under, no, that was the uh, my vision, not through analytics leading the charge. Uh, you think I didn't know who that player was? Was I happy with that pick? Absolutely not. Talking about Cody Kessler. Um, that's what happens when analytics get involved. The Browns got better when they brought in real football players once John Dorsey became the GM. Okay. On Todd Haley being the offensive coordinator, Hugh Jackson said on ESPN Cleveland, the big show, I think it was 
was the biggest mistake I ever made. That was a bad marriage. I never should have done that. I'm excited where the Browns are headed for their fans and players. Um, who am I throwing under the bus, he says. This is the truth. In order for any coach to win or succeed, you have to give him the necessary tools to do that. And more and more and more. Uh, more and more and more. This book, I think, is going to be pretty, pretty deep over there, AJ. It sounds like he's uh, definitely trying to sell some books, but is he still like actively trying to get back into coaching? Do we know? He said it's not about that. He does not care, actually. It was actually well, one of those tweets would, that we skipped over we should have said. Wouldn't you think – I would imagine reading these tweets and putting the book out that he's – He's not worried, like, hey, this may keep me from getting another job. Like, he's thinking this is, like, my new path. Yeah, it seems like he's past the coaching thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Plus, that tequila is oh, damn good. Yeah. Good business right now. Doesn't he still kind of do something at Arizona State, or was that just last year? Consulting or something? Yeah. He's still out there? Because mm-hmm. him and Herm? Right. Good friends. And Marvin. And Marv's there, Marvin. too. Right. You know, it's like, oh, shit. Anytime you read one of those books... Okay, let's go back. Anytime somebody writes one of those books, they know that there's a chance on the other end of this thing, there's a firestorm. Mm -hmm. Like, will the Browns answer any of this, I wonder? And should we have a much different viewpoint of how it went down in Cleveland with you, with, you know, potentially learning behind the scenes? I guess that's why he's writing the book, right? Yeah, he wants to, I guess he wants to let everybody else know what he was dealing with behind the scenes. But, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to gain a bunch of sympathy. Like, do you think people are going to turn and say, oh, he was right. Like, nobody had a chance there. He, he may be right. Like, any coach that was there at that time, maybe they didn't have a chance. But what, he won one game? Is that it? One in 23 there, mm-hmm. yeah, or one in 32. One in 31, right? Is that what he went in two years? Oh, something along those yeah. lines. It yeah. wasn't good. We know that. Could you imagine how miserable that place was? Oh, my God. And fighting. And them fighting between the analytics people and then the yeah. coaches and how they scout. Like, I bet that was – I bet they hated each other. Remember, he was not told who they were drafting because the the report oh, was that he would leak it to the media. <laughs> yeah. That's what they said. He was 336-1 and one over oh. two and a half seasons, I'm getting told in my Damn. winning percentage of 8.8%. Hey, hey, that's a big percentage depending oh, wow. upon what other percentages you're <laughs> yeah, doing. That's true. You know what I mean, AJ? So hey, you're telling me the analytics people said, like, we're not going to tell – the head coach, the face of our organization, who we're going to draft because we're worried he will leak this to the press. Like That's how they thought when he was there. Yeah, allegedly that was the story is Hugh Jackson was leaking the terrible decisions that were being made behind the scenes to the media because I'd assume – now, we don't know if any of this is true or not, by the way. And maybe this will be in the book, but – I bet you Browns fans are very thankful that they're at the place that they're currently at. Mm-hmm. How do we think this book will do? Who's going to buy it? Probably a bestseller. I mean, I think I might get it. It, it sounds like it would be a, a quick – entertaining read or listen whether uh, hopefully hugh actually oh, does the audiobook oh I'm are, are you gonna read it i might i might download and listen to it yeah you do that you do a lot of listening to books and stuff yeah i enjoy listening to books especially like something like this can, you can listen to pretty quickly and it'll be entertaining i think so you put it on like 2x or whatever no i don't i don't do that i'm not trying to i'm not trying to hack my reading life like the idiots do on the internet okay so oh. <laughs> idiots on the internet <laughs> is I don't mean like, I mean, when people want to tell you, haven't you ever had anyone tell you that, hey, you know what I do? Listen to the book, 2.5. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what are we trying to do? If I was cramming for a test, maybe, but not when I want to enjoyably listen to something. Yeah, leisurely listen. I understand what you're saying. I'm just telling you, I've never had that conversation because I've never listened to a book in my life. So I'm not (laughs) sure I've had the interaction, but it sounds, so what do you do in the morning for your workout? You just put a book in there? That's what you just do? And are the authors of the books are they reading the book themselves? 
Sometimes I, I think it's best when the author does read the book. Yeah. Do the characters get involved? Do they have different voices too when oh. the characters speak? Uh, the uh, books I have listened to, no, there's really only been one voice. That's a cool usually idea. the author will, if they're playing That's different characters, they change their voice. Like you would be good. If you wrote a book, it would be great to listen to you read it. That would be the first book I've ever read, too. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. People would hear me reading my first ever book. <laughs> Why would I say that? Wow, <laughs> that's a pretty good story. <laughs> that, doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, it was, actually. I didn't know you were a big book guy. That's, I, I mean, mean I, I wouldn't say I'm a big book person, but I enjoy, I, I definitely search them out and like to, I listen to a lot of them. Now, it's, the problem is when you listen to them, it's harder and harder to actually sit down and actually read legit yeah. old school real book well that's my thing about the whole like movie thing if it's a good book it'll become a movie yeah but the book's better i get it but i got other shit to do I, it's I, usually not it's not how many in what, how many instances is the book better i to be honest i couldn't even tell you once i'm asking ty ty would know ty's read a lot of books <laughs> ty you read a lot of books yeah i mean there's a, there's a couple but anymore you know you don't really need to like i i think of the great gatsby i think that oh, book is oh, better than the so movie well, you know, did not yeah. do it justice american classic oh my god but no yeah for the most part Pulse the book yeah. the movie is going to be better than the book but anyways i'm not saying you shouldn't read books i'm just telling you that i've never done it and it's one of those things where i've Fine. gotten I've gotten to where I'm at. I read a lot of the internet. I can read if I have to, but boy. You, read it, you don't have to read books. Haven't you heard anyone says, like, just read anything? If you read a newspaper, you're not, there's no newspapers. But if you read a magazine, it's things like that. Nah, I read tweets. Yeah, all Twitter's day. the modern day all newspaper. All yeah. day, I just read tweets. My inner monologue day. has ADD, so like, it just gets lost. In the tweets or in, in the book? In books in general, yeah. Yeah, once I get past, I, I think I've given it a go a couple times. But boy, once I get like a page and a half, two pages in, yeah, like, wow. I really start to wonder about a potential other book that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's why a tweet I'm pretty good at. It's like, uh, you know, some people just watch music videos all day because it's three and a half minutes and they just move along. You know what I mean? That's kind of that's where I'm at whenever it comes to the book. I didn't know that was a thing. Just sitting watching music videos all day long. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had a roommate. Uh, he lived at right next door in college, played on our team. You go into his house. Guaranteed music videos were on. Nice. Don't have to pay attention, man. Just turn the page. <laughs> it was awesome. It was fucking awesome. I bet you he yeah. still does it to this day. He's a grown adult. Um, hey, 17-game season's happening. This is something we've talked. I, I feel like in hour three of the show, you and I have talked about this. We've been talking about this for a long time. Every time somebody gives out a record, like next year they might go 10 and 6. Whoa, whoa, oh, 10 oh, and oh, 7. Oh, oh, 10 no. and 7. Or are they going 11 and 6? Two different things. Now that it's becoming a reality here by the end of the week, allegedly, is what's being reported. I think a lot of players are starting to stare down the barrel of what reality is about to be. 17 games is a lot of games. It's a, and each player will get a 117th of their salary bonus on the date of the 17th game so it'll not affect the salary cap or whatever but this is uh this is a big this is a much bigger deal than it's being i think portrayed right now yeah it is and it, it's easy to sit there and say what do you mean it's just one more game like what's one more week gonna do but yeah in the grand scheme it, it is it's it's a lot more to think of mentally to lean into the season but well how do you think players feel when they see quotes from from bruce arians telling them how camp like hey we're gonna kill these guys in camp like hey, it's gonna be a tough one okay so funny you said that we actually have the clip shout out to um loose cannons the podcast who had bruce arians on the clip goes as such okay our guys know the message and again the leadership shaq's already said it uh he, he's hungry as hell that when our guys come back and that's my job I'm going to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> we're going back to basics, and we're going to have one hell of a training camp. 
and uh, and and know where we what our foundation is. Okay, so shout out to the Loose Cannons yeah. podcast, but that's a notorious thing for Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians' training camps are a motherfucker. Like that is just something that yeah. is very well known. I have, my sources have told me who have potentially gone through seven of Bruce Arians' training <laughs> camps throughout their career that that is just a very normal thing. That is why I think Bruce is not worried at all if they were to have a terrible year this past year or a Super Bowl winning year this past year. Bruce Arians' training camps are known to be a mother. Like they are going hard. They're going to the ground in some phases. They're going five, six days full pad straight they're doing that whole thing and then the last week leading up to the season he gives the vets like the week off like hey now you build yourself up here we go but that's kind of like a, a b-a-m-o almost and uh i enjoy the fact that he on loose cans podcast he was like if they don't know if they're new to the team this is how this is going to go we are going to have a hard-ass training camp and i think that's just kind of a normal thing for him yeah, I think it's good, too, for players to have a, a healthy fear. And Bruce knows by putting it out there that players, they hear that, they instantly, like, it's always in the back of their mind. For the rest of the offseason, then the week leading up to camp, they're like, all right, man, just can't be three any, weeks. Can't be, any three worse, weeks. can't be any worse than it was last year, right? Can't no. be. Can't be. That, that's the conversation that's happened. My, he can't do anything worse than what we did. Like, no way, right? Allegedly, there was a wedding this past weekend where a member of the Buccaneers was there. And when this statement came out, there was quite a conversation amongst the Buccaneers there. It's like, no way. Like, it can't be, can't be worse. It can't be worse than what it was last year. I guess Bruce Arians, hard training camp. Andy Reid, known difficult training camp. And I guess Harbaugh is also a difficult training camp or whatever. It's kind of like known around there. There was always those rumors that made it their way into like the Colts training camp. It was like, you hear what blah, blah, blah is doing over and blah, blah, blah. It could be much worse. But I guess Andy Reid, uh, BA and Harbaugh do take it to another level. Doesn't, isn't Tomlin known to have a tough camp too? Yeah, it's also up there at St. Vincent's, which is a university around town down there. They get yeah. after him. Yeah, training guy. Did you guys have a... Did you guys have a uh, conditioning test to lead off training camp? Uh, we went through a couple different tests that we had, and then eventually we didn't really have a test. We had, like, individual-specific kind of running. Yeah, we had – I think it was, like, two years there was a test or whatever. It came out of nowhere. I did not know what to expect. <laughs> Jeez. I did not. It just came out of nowhere. What are you doing? What was the test? Yeah. It was uh, – I think it was 150s. I think it was 150s, I think. I forget. Vinatieri and I wheeled our way into running with the offensive line. So nice. there's Smart. no way we we're going to fail that thing. Yeah. But I was Smart. watching. I was like, I think I could have went with the mids. I think I could have went with the mids. Mm. I think I could have. I don't have to, but I think next year I could. Then the next year came, we had to do it. I went right back with those offensive lines. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and just Smart. walk this one. Let's go ahead and walk this one. Those. Hey. Yeah, go ahead. Do you, do you think about that? So that clip of Bruce Aarons, do you think Roger Goodell and the NFL is actively trying to scrub that from the internet because it doesn't help the whole narrative with the players for the 17-game season? Hey, B.A., we got fucking 17 games. You can't be saying you're going to beat the shit out of these guys. Okay, B.A., you're the Super Bowl champ now. I mean, you were tampering with free agents at your Super Bowl parade. I mean, you're like, come on, what's going on? <laughs> Imagine if Roger Goodell was not happy about it at all. 17 games, though, I think we're going to learn a lot about that's just one more opportunity for a potential key player 
to have something happen right before the most important. Now, the, the matchups are pretty dope, though. Yeah. AFC versus NFC. Uh, every team's 17th game is based on the ratings uh, or the rankings within their division from uh, 2019 season, I guess, which is when I think the Patriots were in third place. No, yep. Yeah, third, third place. Division, yep. So they're going against third place in another division. And you got some big-time games. Green Bay and Kansas City are playing. That's huge. It is, uh, okay. It is huge, but what if both of the, both of them already are locked up and Aaron and Pat Mahomes don't play? Well, is it necessarily definitely the 18th week? Oh yeah, is it? I don't think, right? Well, no. I guess you can shove it in anywhere. But oh, it yeah. is kind of all laid out right here. Yeah. AFC. Mm. So is this the pre-playoffs game? Like, do we already have week 18 already locked in? He does say it's the 17th game, so it's probably it has to be the no, 18th. It just, no, because that could that be just, one of 17. It is one of yeah. 17. But, I, but when they first were talking about it, wasn't that what we thought they were doing is the last week of the season before the playoffs was what these, like, showcase games. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I mean, that would make sense. Imagine the TV money if that was a part of it. That's why it's 11 years, $110 billion. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you, we, yeah, we have Wild Card Weekend, but think about this before then. We got Showcase Weekend. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, the AFC's playing the NFC. Yeah. We're having uh, interconference matchups that won't happen or only happen once every five years or something like that. That's right going into Wild Card Weekend, which, by the way, three and three, and then we got another one and then another one. Oh, yeah. And they got Amazon Bezos. He's like, all right, fucking hey, here. right, Here's a bazillion dollars. Take it. All right, ESPN's like, here, you got it, bro. Just give us a couple more options, maybe. Boom, boom, boom. What a move by them. And the players are just sitting there getting a 117th bonus. That's the funny thing. Like, How does that work out? And also, when are they going to expand the playoffs? Don't you think they're going to add another one? Yeah, because they did last this past year. They did right. Mm-hmm. They I did this. I think they're going to expand even more because that's think that's those are the money games. Hey, by the way, Super Wild Card Weekend was oh, man. so sweet. It was so yeah, sweet. Best. Like, are people going to really complain if they add another playoff game? Do you think uh, the players? The players will. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think. And actually, no, because you get a chance to make the playoffs, so it's a win-win. Yeah. And you get extra money that you weren't counting on. And the fans get another game. Guess what? You get to play in England. This will be called the European playoff game. Oh. It's like a play-in game. You basically get a, they'll oh man. that would be awesome. Maybe well, a play-in game in play Europe. In game in Europe, and they go back to the top two teams getting a buy. Yeah, right? and then by the way, move this thing back three more weeks. Do the Super Bowl in March. Yeah. Oh my Here God. We go. March Madness. Oh. oh. <laughs> So sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know March Madness has returned and Paramount Plus has the games you won't want to miss. That's what I'm talking about. Watch CBS games live on Paramount Plus, including the Final Four and National Championship game on April 5th. Paramount Plus is also the home to year-round sports, including the Masters. What? PGA Championship. Okay. UEFA. Yes, please. The Champions League. Yes. The Europa League. All the soccer. Obviously, the NFL. Okay. And more. Plus, get breaking news expert picks and highlights from all of your favorite teams with cbs sports hq a 24 7 sports news network visit paramountplus.com before march 31st to receive a one month free trial of paramount plus that's paramountplus.com to receive a one month free trial of paramount why not go snoop around and see what you like have to do it we've been dancing around all these different platforms mm-hmm. 
Okay, and once you get to the bottom, once you beat the game, you go and check out somebody else. Paramount Plus is getting in the game because not only do they have content, but they also have all the sports that you're looking for that the other platforms don't have. Bingo. Shout out to Paramount Plus. Right now, you go to P-A-R-A-M-O-U-N-T-P-L-U-S.com, and you can receive a one-month free trial. Go ahead and snoop around. Listen, I don't know how long Paramount Plus is going to be a partner of ours. You can watch everything they probably have in one month. Now, oh, yeah. the new sports that are going to get updated in there with their relationships mm-hmm. with CBS Sports and everything like that, you, you're going to have to stick around to see that. But one month free trial, you might as well get offered a four-year free trial at this particular point. You know, t- dip your toe in the water a little bit. ParamountPlus.com. We appreciate the hell out of you. One month free trial. Welcome aboard. Let's get back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a chance to chat with a guy who captivated minds all around the world yesterday. In the middle of naps while watching March Napness in the first couple games, you went onto your phone and you saw a kicker that had just hit a game-winning ball. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, the Arizona Christian University kicker, Manny. E. pretty fantastic i mean obviously you kick field goals in a beautiful fashion your record speaks for itself the kid barely ever misses if ever misses yesterday for the championship 46 yarder how did you feel going into it uh first i just gotta give glory to god without him uh this nothing would have happened so i mean just going to the kick was like just like any other kick uh clear mindset just being focused just being ready for the snap and hold and just do just doing my job. It's a repetition that I've always been doing, and just I'm happy that uh, uh, it was on my side this time. Yeah, hey, it's always good whenever it goes through or whatever, you know. And the celebration obviously was epic. Congrats on all of that. Did you play Thank soccer? You. Did you play soccer? Yes. And how'd you transition yes. into kicking footballs? Yeah, no. So I started uh, I started playing soccer. So that was like my first sport. So since I was I can remember I've been playing soccer, and then all the way going up to. High school, I've been playing soccer. I only did one year of uh, football in high school. That was my senior year. Um, our high school um, needed a kick. Uh, needed a kicker. Then I just went just to try out to see, let's see what could happen. And then I got the spot. And just from then, it just it was a spiral moment. And then it just kept on going. Okay. So what position do you play in soccer? So I played goalie and midfield. Hey, you always have you always uh, you always had the LPA, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always had it. Yeah. Hey, you're a big yeah. body. Hey, you're a big body now. That was a big thing. And do you think have you always been that way? And do you think that helps? Yes. Let me tell you. Let me tell you because my weight. All right. Whenever I was bigger. Uh, like 255, 260. I always felt like just like the um, the uh, designated hitters. Like you never yeah. see any very small designated hitters. You don't see little now. Granted, uh, Ichiro can hit, I guess, oh, just yeah. wherever That's he wants. Right. You don't see a lot of small hitters, though. So for me, I always thought like, okay, I'm going to get a little bit bigger here. It was kind of my thing. For you, when everybody went directly to the Arizona Christian University uh, Athletics uh, I think five five two eighty five. Everybody was like, "This is our fucking hero. This, yeah. guy, this yeah. guy is our hero." But have you always been a big body? And do you believe that that helps you? Yes, I mean, I've always been a big body. Um, I think it does help me a little bit, but also um, it could hurt me a little bit just with my leg section and all that. But I just learned throughout the time that I can 
to like overcome that and just uh, stay like true to myself and like just le learn how to kick a ball being this big. I watched, I watched a lot of your videos of you kicking both at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I watched you at Sendeja's house over there. I, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of you kicking. I love the way the ball pops off of your foot. I would not change anything if I were you, LPA. Oh, yeah. So uh, when I first started kicking, uh, I went to the Arizona Cardinals kicking camp with uh, Luis Sendejas. And then that was like my first ever camp going. I've been probably kicking maybe for three months or so. Then I made it. And then I finished that camp in the top three. So, and then afterwards, Luis came, uh, came up to uh, me and my family just telling me that how long have I been kicking for? Where have I been? Because they haven't seen, like, me kick or anything. I was like, no, I've just been kicking three months. And then when I went, then he sent me a person uh, invitation to his house to kick. And then first thing he told me is, like, I'm not going to change your form. You have uh, natural technique and everything. I'm just going to tweak some stuff. And that's what he did, and i just been rolling with it. I see you have three years left of eligibility. I think it says on your Twitter bio. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, hey, yesterday, there was fan bases, you know, from all over the league saying, oh, hey, yeah. let's uh -huh. get this guy in here. The Jets, I believe, I saw. Ooh. I saw some people said, uh, we got some kicking problems solved down here at the Jets. Suckup just signed it to Buccaneers, but I believe there are some Buccaneers fans that were like, mm -hmm. get Suckup ah, <laughs> get LPA in. <laughs> it feels like we got some motivation going here, Manuel. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that just part of the end goal, but it's just uh, to get in the league one day, but just the process, the grind, that's what I love. What is it like playing right now in the spring? Do you guys normally play in the spring? No, probably normally. No, no, we play in the fall. So it's been a whole year around football. So we've been going at this for eight months. So we've just been starting since the fall. I mean, it's, it's a different experience. It's an exciting experience because it's a four year around football doing something I love to do. It's, it's always great, but yeah, it just it's crazy. Hey, the team's good though, huh? I mean, you guys got a good squad out there. Yeah, we just been we just been clicking at every cylinder. It just been uh, just been going, and then like I said, glory to God has been he's been in our side, and he's just been helping us uh, win games and just uh, keep our character and everything. Connor. Yeah, Emmanuel, I saw you on the sideline with the Pit Vipers. I mean, the swagger was unbelievable. Is that every day, or do you just break those out for uh, game days? It's a uh, it's a little bit of both. I just whenever it's sunny out or whenever I feel like we're in the pit vibers, but it's mainly a, a game day thing. Look at Ooh. you, dude. Oh. Hey, first oh. one off the bus, I hope. I hope you are the first yeah. one off the bus to lead the way. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> That's smart moves. Zito, what do you got? Uh, do we have a record on longest field goal for you? Uh, I've hit a few 60s before. Yeah. Come on. Ooh. Hey, that's a big ball there, 60 yards. That's a big, big ball. Yeah. How old are you right now? I'm 21. Oh, no. You're wow. at a Christian university. Mm -hmm. And I would assume it, probably didn't celebrate yesterday as how I would have whenever I was 21 years old. <laughs> but congratulations. I mean, Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're about to say something I mean. Go ahead. I mean, we we still celebrated. We still celebrated in the locker room. We still had fun. We still we did our we sang and everything like that. We had fun. It just yeah, but it just it just, and then that's like my first conference ring too. So it just be like that little extra. It just felt amazing. Is the season over now? No. So we have one more conference game, and then we have playoffs. So April tenth is our last conference game, and then April seventeenth is playoffs. So we're uh, we have a. A spot in the playoffs right now. Oh, so you're going to get another opportunity. You're going to get another chance to do that again. 
Oh yeah, that's my sec. Uh, the funny part is that's my second uh, game winner. I hit a game winner in the fall in OT. This wow. is the second one I Keep have. Keep them going. Yeah. Everybody that was tweeting about you, those teammates, are like, the dude's got ice cold blood <laughs> running through his veins. Because, you know, in those big moments, it doesn't matter what level you're at. It doesn't matter oh, if, yeah. if you're in the NFL. It doesn't matter if you're an Arizona Christian. Whenever you work your ass off with your team and you get to a moment and there's a 46-yarder sitting there, even if it's for sprints after practice, there's a moment where you have to execute. The fact you're able to do that is massive. That's a massive thing. What do you have, Ty? Man, well, we've seen the kicking talent now, obviously. Uh, but because of this, like, have you went to your coaches and maybe pitched like, hey, let's get a couple uh, fakes in the playbook for oh, yeah. me and maybe yeah. throw a tutter or rush yeah. one up the gut. Yeah, a couple runs. I mean, we have we have a few fakes, but I'm just not involved. Whoa! What's that about? Oh, just, What's that all about? I mean, the, the coaches, uh, they, they, just, they just worry about that if I get injured or something like that. Smart. Like, because I'm like an asset in a way. Um, so they yes. they rather save me and not hurt me for a trick play. And then whenever a kicks, they rather have that kick for me. Yeah, well, let them know. Like, you're a multifaceted yeah. asset <laughs> yeah, come on, at this point. You're an international superstar. <laughs> you got bl ice cold blood running through your veins in big moments. I cannot wait to see them put the ball in your hands, yeah. hopefully, for the playoffs. <laughs> Is your brother play on the team as well? Yeah, so he's a freshman. He's a, he's a rusher freshman this year. He's a kicker as well? He's a kicker punter, yeah. Nice. You guys are just holding down there for the year. Hey, we got you for the next 10 years here. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I respect it. Well, tell your parents they did a great job. Uh, tell your coach to give you the rock a little bit more. And from all of us to all of you, congratulations on a Sooner Athletic Championship, pal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. LPA, Nestor. LPA. Do you go Manny or Manuel? Uh, either one. It's either one. So people just call you like you have like seven hundred names at this point. Huh? <laughs> Manny Fruish. <laughs> In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Well, Manny, can't thank you enough for stopping by. Good luck on the rest of the way here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Nestor, LPA, Manny, Manuel, E. Herrera. Yeah! Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. The fact that you allow us to penetrate your ear holes, I am eternally grateful for that fact. So am I. You guys are the best. You guys are the best. I thought today was good. Big thanks to everybody for their time, their effort, their conversation. And uh, we'll do some more of that tomorrow, huh? Oh, yeah. Huge show tomorrow. Huge show tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If you enjoyed this, which I'd assume you have because you're still here at this point, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not... I've gotten a chance to see a lot of you with the hashtag and the pod squad. It's been great getting to see the people that listen to our show every single day. Can't thank you enough. Good fucking people, by the way, which is exactly what I assumed. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, be a friend. Tell a friend. We'll be back. Manana. Ty, please be a friend. Nope. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people in a beautiful Monday night. Cheers. Ty, also be a friend. Tell a friend, too. Please. <laughs> Run red with blood And you know why Cause they are coming They're coming for me They are coming 
fast living in the money too And I had loving sweet as honey do But now they're coming They're coming for me They are coming Now if I go, honey, let me go Down the river on the Ohio Bury me deep in the water wide I'll see you on the other side If I go, honey, let me go Down the river on the Ohio Bury me deep in the water wide I'll see you on the other side
Come.